Hey there, welcome to The Manifesto, episode 9. We're glad you're with us tonight. And guess what? We're Tonight, we're talking sex. Woo! <laughs> Sorry, I just had to take us back to the 90s. Uh, that song's been in my head all day as we've been preparing for today's talk. Um, hey, James, how are you? Good, Nick. Very good. Looking forward to tonight's chat and bringing out all of our dark, deep secrets onto the table. Uh, a talk that desperately needs to be had. Uh, something that I've blogged about pretty recently and, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to getting stuck into this one tonight. Yeah, it's a big one. It's such a big one. I mean, as our little preparatory talk we were having just then there's so many different areas we can go into and not only that there's so many issues around it you know it's 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 a it's sort of paradoxical it's the thing that we think about so much <laughs> this thing we uh talk about not as much as uh not in the not in the not in a healthy way i don't think we talk about it anywhere near enough um it's all done in a very sort of uh it's it's well, in a, in, a, in a sort of shadow aspect, isn't it? You know, we, we joke about it, we laugh about it, but as men, I think it's often something we're quite resistant to actually having a conversation about, a serious conversation, you know, without making any jokes and laughing about it. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, in the 60s, we had the, uh, you know, the sexual liberation movement, which, you know, there probably was a big difference between, you know, prior to that and then post that. But, you know, I still think that, you know, as you've mentioned, there's so much of it that's still in the shadows, still very covert. And, you know, I think if you look at statistics of how many uh, women especially are unsatisfied in their uh, in their sexual relationships, I think something desperately needs to be done and spoken about. And hopefully this conversation tonight will, uh, you know, start a few uh, start a few conversations elsewhere other than, uh, you know, th th than me and you. And I think that's, that's kind of just... Exactly. The first part of it, you know, is kind of just getting amongst the conversation, thinking about it, and then bringing it up with, you know, friends, as you mentioned, in a healthy way, not necessarily a, an objectifying way like most men do it at the moment uh, in, amongst their men's groups when they go out to the pubs or, you know, sports events or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I think we need to shine a healthy light on this uh, this area of our lives. And, Absolutely. Uh, because let's face it, we all like it. <laughs> oh, we all love it. You know, it's great. It's for, it's for free. Well, not always, but you know, <laughs> people, yeah, free. Some people could disagree with that one. Though. Yeah, exactly. Um, but. but it's uh, it's such an important thing, and you know, obviously, even I mean, just look at look at how we're laughing about it now. You know, you just you, you bring it up, and it turns into a joke because maybe it just makes us a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. You know, but it's um, it's such an important part of being a human being you know there's a reason why it's been made to feel so good <laughs> there's a reason why when we can with two individuals when they can connect at that vulnerable that intimate level then amazing things can happen or some really shit things can happen too you know so it is uh it is something that needs to be discussed. And I think we've, you know, obviously we've been conditioned that it's sex is a bad thing and it's not to be discussed, particularly, you know, the uh, stiff upper lip British, <laughs> um, yeah. who we're uh, unfortunately descendant of. <laughs> um, you know, it was and has been for so long just this thing that wasn't talked about. Um, and... I don't know if uh, there was a there was a TV show on SBS not long ago. Did, did you catch it? You know, you you don't have a TV, do you? It'd be it'd be available on online. Uh, it was called The Art of Sex, I think it was, and it was a it was a the true story of the first actual scientific research that had been done around sex, and this was in the fifties, you know, post-war um, uh, America in the fifties. So it was hilarious. It was and. On, Oddly enough, this scientific research, I can't remember the, the names of the, the doctor and the um, lady that performed the research now, but uh, 
that research is still state stated um, in in research today. <laughs> so not not a right. great deal has been done since then, you know. So there's uh, still um, yeah they still use it. So quite shocking, really, when you think of how important it is to us and how you know it's been something we've done a lot of forever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's kind of important for for the progression of a of a species, <laughs> mm. um, and we've done it obviously quite successfully. You know, the seven billion people on the planet, we're doing quite quite well. Some too well in some areas, you know. Mm. And now a lot of that just comes down to lack of education. I mean, because people aren't talking about. I mean, what about you, James? Did you have the talk? Did your parents give you the talk? No, 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 never, never, never. I, I learned about my sexuality in the playground uh, and through through porn. You know, gradually growing up, that was kind of that was my route into sexuality. And I think it's I think it's pretty a pretty common route for, for lots of boys today. You know, I think parents uh, of our generation certainly you know it was it was never spoken about to them by their parents. Um, so they've, you know, almost just kind of continued the, uh, you know, that sort of generational um, taboo of, you know, of that subject. And so, yeah, for me, it was, yeah, something that, you know, me and my mates used to kind of be out in the woods and, you know, we'd find a porn mag that had been discarded and we'd look through it, you know, when we were sort of maybe, I don't know, nine, ten years old, um, you know, and just, you know, obviously then it's, you're not really... You know, you obviously you're just kind of forming your ideas about, you know, about your sexuality and what it means to be, you know, a man, whether you whether you're heterosexual or homosexual or bisexual, and you just kind of, yeah, and it just, um, yeah, for me it just, uh, I don't know, yeah, as I say, wasn't spoken about. It's something that I'm hell bent on doing with my son, uh, you know, sitting down to with him, and you know, talking about, you know, and, and I'll share a lot of the hurt and the pain that I caused a lot of women. Uh, you know, growing up uh, in that arena, um, you know, very, very narcissistic and egocentric. And for me, a lot of my identity when I was younger was built on how many women I'd slept with, you know, how many times I slept with them in one night, um, you know, whether, you know, just, I mean, just pretty, I mean, stuff that I don't even want to share, to be honest with you, because I still hold, you know, a lot of shame around it and how much hurt that I must have caused. Um, so I, I, I really want to right that wrong. Yep. Through, through my son and through educating him and talking to him, you know, uh, about his sexuality. And, you know, so he can actually sort of step into that arena, even when he's a teenager, uh, w with integrity. Um, and, you know, that he'll be accountable to himself uh, and to women and that, you know, he'll actually grow up with, you know, good enough moral intelligence that he'll actually take care with how he uses his sword and how he, you know, how he uses his cock. Because let's face it, I mean that that thing can give life. Obviously, you know your, your your cock can give life, but it can also, you know, really create a lot of damage as well. You know, psycho emotional damage, um, you know, to yourself, but also to the people that you're sleeping with. So, so I think you know it, it needs to be it needs to be done. You know, and it needs to be brought into education somehow. Um, you know, not just to talk about how to put a condom. Because let's face it, okay, that's one part of our sexuality, and it. You know, but just the most minuscule part that you can possibly imagine. Um, you know, we need to start opening conversations up at school. Um, you know, I'm probably going to, at some point this year, do an integrated group between men and women, and I just feel that there's going to be a shitload to heal between the sexes uh, when we come together in, you know, with regards to sexuality. Um, and, you know, like you've mentioned, the more, you know, the darker side of it, the more macho jerk, narcissistic, sort of egocentric, and, you know, the more porn side of it, I guess. So, and I know we spoke about that in our, in our pre-chat, Nick. So, do you want to unpack the, the porn one maybe a little bit more, or is there something that's come to you? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, just basing on your experience of porn being your education, and like you said, that is uh, a very common story. It was most definitely my story. Um, I, I didn't get a chat from my parents. I remember my sister, who's, you know, she's my older sister, seven years older than me. She had a little bit of a chat, but, you know, who was she? <laughs> um, which, but at the time, I think that was probably more comfortable than, uh, than having one with my parents. But they obviously 
whether they'd thought about it or whether they just felt that they weren't up to the task or what, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, so, unfortunately, yeah, like you said, uh, the boys in the playground and the girls a bit later on, um, we, we, were, we explored. We worked it out, you know, and we, you know, I was in a situation where, you know, living in uh, rural suburbia, in uh, Sheffield and it, there was not a lot to do so we played around and we, we experimented and we at, at quite a young age um, and you know luckily didn't get anyone pregnant um, luckily didn't really well I'm sure there was probably a bit of hurt here and there from both sides I'm sure but um, it was all very much uh, part of what we what we sort of how we explored uh, life at that time, you know, through different avenues. But um, then, you know, similar to you, I joined the Navy at 16 and then it was on for all, all and sundry. It was, uh, the, the, it was like being at a buffet, <laughs> all-you-can-eat buffet. And, of course, you know, I, I lapped it up. I enjoyed myself a lot and broke some hearts and did some things I would have... Uh, uh, wish I didn't, but all, all part of part of my experience of growing up. But um, one thing I think needs to be mentioned is the fact that uh, when we were growing up, I mean, we didn't have the internet. Um, nowadays, porn is so so available, uh, and not only you know, not only hustler grade porn, you know, the darkest the dirtiest, the most abusive and, you know, really, really horrible, sick stuff is freely available on your phone, on your mobile. You know, all you need is a mobile, uh, a smartphone and you can access whatever sort of porn that you want. And, you know, you've got kids 10, 11 years old who can access this sort of stuff. And that's the education, that's their sexual education, uh, is looking at this um, this porn version of sex, which is totally abusive, uh, totally patriarchal, um, and just fake. You know, <laughs> you've got these blokes with giant cocks, and you know these women with totally bald and manicured vaginas and enormous plastic tits, and it's just not real. <laughs> and she's screaming her head off and. He's going for hours and hours and hours, and <laughs> and it's just you know if this is what we're setting our benchmark at, <laughs> there's no no wonder that we're all terrified, you know, and that kids when we when we when we are starting to explore, when we are starting to get into the bedroom and open up, you know, the possibility of having having sex, then it's no wonder that there's so much. Uh, fear around it um, because we, we straight away we feel ashamed because I'm not a porn star you know I don't have a 10 inch cock mm. um, <clears throat> I don't have uh, you know I'm not fully buff and muscular whoever it is you know whatever your issue is with yourself yeah. uh, and then you've given this you, you've got this amazing uh, majestic thing in front of you which is called a woman who's there and she's she's as terrified as you are but she's so much more vulnerable than you you know what are you supposed to do with this how are you supposed to touch her how are you supposed to make her enjoy herself you know um and it does that even come into the question or is it is it all about me getting my rocks off you know that's what it looks like in porn isn't it a lot of the time yeah it does this point was it's, it's good to mention that, um, you know, because I know that I've, I've written a blog post about porn uh, when I was celibate for, you know, sort of three months of this year. And, uh, you know, when I, when I shared with people on that, on that post that, that porn can actually rewire your brain, uh, and that's kind of what the latest, uh, you know, neuroscience uh, is telling us that, you know, repeated exposure to a certain stimuli will rewire your brain. So... There's a, I have a friend who's a psychotherapist and she, she's, she's done work with, with, you know, porn addicts and, you know, she's, she's had the experience.
experience of working with 50-year-old men that are addicted to porn. Uh, and, you know, I mean, their searches are, you know, things like barely legal or, you know, 18 and whatever. And, uh, and he's now watched it enough that he's rewired his brain and he actually doesn't, he, he, he doesn't fancy women of his own age anymore. He can't, he just, just can't compute it anymore. So, but then he struggles to emotionally connect to women of, you know, 18, 21 years old, as you would do when you're 50. Um, so he's actually really experiencing a lot, of, a lot of pain in his life now because, you know, he can't get both. He can't get the emotional connection with a woman and he can't get the physical connection anymore because he's, you know, he's watched too much porn. So, so I think it's a very, very real problem. You know, it's like a drug. Uh, you, know, you, you know, you will quite naturally go for harder hits every time you go online. And I know if I was anything to go by that, you know, you, you, you almost wait for the perfect video. Yeah, you can be on there for hours sometimes. Uh, I've been uh, porn free, uh, or internet porn free, and porn free for just over two years now. And uh, but I know that, you know, and it was a scary time when my when my wife at the time took uh, my son to Brazil for a holiday, and they were gone for three weeks. And you know, the, the normal structure of my life had just disappeared. And you know, I I I, I just became very close to becoming addicted, or I I, th I was addicted during that time where. I was literally letting friends down. I wouldn't go out. I'd, you know, just looking for that perfect video. And you'd be on there for, as I say, for hours. And sometimes wow. I'd masturbate about four times, you know, like with a, a three or four hour gap. Um, so I, I really got a sense of how easy it is to become, you know, to become addicted. And so, yeah, for me, you know, looking at the stages of development and, you know, porn probably makes up. Uh, you know, a part of, you know, us growing up as men and, you know, it, it, I think, you know, it just serves out a very egocentric and narcissistic, you know, macho jerk sexuality. Um, but very quickly we sort of learn that, you know, that's, that, that, that's not really all there is to sex about just pleasuring ourselves and we start to, you know, grow through more into, you know, an ethnocentric stage of development where we want our partner to enjoy it as well. Um, you know, and then beyond that into world and cosmocentric, which we'll, you know, talk about later and, you know, how we can get connections, uh, you know, where, where the two dissolve into the one and, you know, we can get connections with the divine and whatever. So it's, yeah, so, I mean, that's, uh, that's a big, a big aspect of it, you know, the addiction side of it as well. And I think another thing that came to me, Nick, whilst, you know, you, you were talking was, you know, how we sexualize our wounds as well. And it might, you know, we have to ask ourselves, why is it we become addicted to sex or porn? Uh, you know, and as we've already mentioned that we said, yeah, you know, sex feels good. So when maybe there's a background static of anxiety or fear or shame or whatever it might be that's running us, that, you know, we just very quickly as human beings look to self-medicate. And we generally self-medicate with, you know, well, you know any number of addictions that we can that we can have like alcohol, sex, porn, uh, you know drugs and that that kind of stuff. So I think I think a really healthy dose of self-awareness is just very good to realise why we do what we do. And very often you'll find that if you're a bit you know irritated or just just not feeling right, uh, you know you you might gravitate towards sex and porn to make yourself feel better. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... Yeah, the the addiction part of it. I mean, like you like you spoke to there was uh, we we're trying to look for that experience of of well, it can be many things, or it can be as simple as just feeling nice, feeling good. You know, I'm looking for a good feeling because the rest of my life feels like shit. Um, so <clears throat> whatever that whatever it is, whatever the means. Uh, that you use to inject that good feeling, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's shopping, whether it's work, whether it's exercise, or whether it's sex or porn, um, the, the the mechanism behind it is exactly the same. And you, it, for each, for us and for you out there, guys, you need to the the first thing to look at is like, okay, question: Why am I being drawn? To, to porn, why am I being drawn to have sex, you know, um, when I'm in that state, when I'm being drawn, have I got any, how much control have I got over that impulse, and if, you're, if your level of control is small, is less than the impulse, then you've got an addiction problem, 
Simple as that, you know, you're looking, the impulse is stronger than your desire not to do it. So therefore, you're being drawn to it. Um, why are you being drawn to it? You know, then ask yourself, what am I getting out of it? What am I, what am I looking for in this experience? Um, is it a sense of pleasure? Is it a sense of connectedness? Is it a sense of, uh, of meaning? Um, what is it I'm looking for? Is it a sense of, the, of being loved? You know, a lot of a lot of guys can equate love with sex. Um, so if I'm if this person is allowing me to have sex with her, they must love me. You know, so therefore, I've, I'm, my life is it has some worth. Um, <clears throat> so if if that is some of the, if if these are some of the motivation factors which are driving that impulse to to go and. Uh, to turn the internet on, to do start searching, or to have sex um, in a disconnected sort of way, uh, then that's obviously something in your life. You're trying to gain something from that experience which you don't necessarily have as a natural part of your life. So it might be some some sort of inner process that you need to go through with the help of a good counsellor or coach in order to, to, to look at what some of those... Uh, disconnects are that are underneath. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, just I mean that was a big one for me when I became celibate this year. You know, and I think I think if you if you abstain from whatever your addiction is, it will generally shine the light on why your addiction is there. Uh, for me, it was massive self-validation. You know, I was having numerous kind of you know partners, uh, flings, you might call them, uh, and you know as soon as I cut that out. Um, and you know, stop masturbating as well. It was just very much. I could tell why it was there. Um, and yeah, for me, it was. It gave you know, it was validation that I was okay and that you know I was lovable. Um, so it was a big one. It was. It was. You know, it was. Uh, yeah, that's that, that. That was a big one for me. And it's also, you know, I mean, porn anyway is is a very risk-free way of getting your rocks off in a sense as well, isn't it? You know, there's no rejection there. Um, you know, because let's face it, the crucible of sex. Uh, you know, it brings up a lot of stuff, you know, for us. It can, you know, touch on a lot of our wounds of, you know, rejection and abandonment and not good enough, not big enough, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So porn is generally a very safe way for, for, for men to kind of, you know, connect with women, albeit a very, I wouldn't even call it a one-dimensional way of connecting with women. But, um, yeah, so just uh, that's another... You know that 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 can play out in relationship quite a bit. You know where you're disconnected in relationship, uh, your partner you know keeps on sort of saying no, I'm just not up for sex tonight or whatever. So you know that can very often push a man into you know watching uh, you know watching porn because he can kind of get what he wants, uh, uh, you know, but without the risk of you know feeling rejected or you know whatever else might come up for him during that sexual encounter. Yeah. Just a, a bit more on porn. I want to. I think it'd be good for us to get off of that onto some juicier bits. But um, I think uh, it's important for to, you know just just for you to 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 think about you know what you know what am I actually watching here? <laughs> um, expand your sphere of of, uh, of thought a little bit and say, okay, what are, who are these people that I'm looking at? You know, are they enjoying themselves? Um, are they in it for the right reasons? Are they are these two people uh, sharing a uh, an intimate encounter? Is there any love involved? Is anybody being abused? Is anybody being neglected? Are they being paid well equally? Um, all of these, if you ask all of yourself all of these questions, you start to actually make realize that these people that are involved in this video that you're watching are people, <laughs> and not just images on a screen. And uh, by you clicking on that video, are you are you perpetuating a, an industry which is you know I'm I'm not entirely uh, anti porn at all. I think it's got a place, you know, it's got a place. But it's just there's a there's obviously there's there's okay porn, and then there's some really dirty dark shit which just should not be available and should not be there, you know, which is definitely not the right thing to be looking at. Yeah. Um, it's, a great, it's a great way of, uh, yeah, it's certainly a first step in getting people away from porn addiction is, is, is humanizing yeah. the people that are actually, you know, on porn, you know, and that's, 
that's unfortunately what porn is all about. It's about dehumanizing and objectifying. Um, you know, and that's what that's what we do generally when we're fantasizing to porn Absolutely. or to it. You know, very much. You know, but I guess it goes back into our, you know, into our genes, into our sort of, you know, into the sort of lowest common denominator of sex, which is to, you know, reproduce and, you know, it's going back into our mammalian sort of maybe mammalian phase of, you know, of sex. And, Absolutely. Uh, um, but, you know, I think uh, hopefully there's a few of us that are a bit more evolved than that, you know, and, and can <laughs> and can can actually engage in sexual encounters for... Uh, and, and engage parts of ourselves which are a bit um, a bit beyond just the purely mammalian. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, but but bring that part with us. Of course. And, uh, you know, and then just kind of, and then you know, but then, but but I think a lot of the hurt that we create, you know, at those stages, you know, creates that evolutionary juice that we need to kind of go, shit, this is just not really. You know, because it it becomes like a drug in the end, where you just kind of, you know, you just don't get the same high as you do when you first start it, and you just kind of go, "There's got to be more to this than, you know, just, you know, like that sort, you know, like like a genital sneeze, as David Data calls it, at the end of, you know, a little bit of friction. Um, you know, ultimately, it's, you know, it's like masturbation with a with a with a puppet in the end. You know, if you just keep sex like that, so there's there's definitely much deeper places that we can go to with sex, you know, along with that, you know, and bringing that, 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 that side of things with us. Transcend and include, you know, exactly. all, all about transcend and include. Um, mm -hmm. So just from there, I think uh, just you mentioned data. I was, um, he talks about six, six levels of sexuality. Um, and what we were, you were just sort of alluding to there is the first level being purely genetic, you know, the, the, the procreation of the species, you know, and um, successful sex between two, a man and a woman creates more people. So we're obviously progressing the, the tribe, progressing the species, and that's what uh, can create a successful tribe. So that if we're purely operating from that level, there's not a great deal else involved you know there's not necessarily any pleasure and if there is it's irrelevant you know um <clears throat> it's just about the success of the of the species the success of the tribe um and then you've got the the physiological level the second level which is about pleasure it feels good but it's very uh it's about me and my pleasure you know me having sex with this person makes me feel good but i'm not necessarily connected with the other person i'm not necessarily uh, bothered, I don't care necessarily if they're enjoying themselves. Um, like you said, it's just like masturbating with a with a human being and, um, instead of your own hand. Um, of course, it's important. You know, it, it needs to be pleasurable, but there's so much more that you can you can you can go to from there. Uh, the third level being cultural, about being accepted for who you are, and this is this is a really big one. Particularly when it comes down to porn, you know the 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 cultural stereotypes of what the perfect body is, um, <clears throat> and how advertising is so influential in people's idea of what uh, the perfect body is, the beautiful person, you know. And if you're not that, what do you feel? You feel ashamed. Um, so if I. Uh, this is also drawing on p people's sense of being loved, being accepted, being being uh, being acknowledged as as a as a worthy individual. You know, if this person is having sex to me, sex with me, um, then I'm okay. I'm accepted, and so that brings into that that neediness of the codependent relationship. You know, if if I can just, you know, from her perspective, if. Uh, Let's talk about a heterosexual relationship, but um, if you know, if if I give him head, he'll love me, you know. And uh, from his perspective, if you know, if I give her an orgasm, she'll love me, you know. So it's um, that sort of idea. And then we go from there into the emotional stage, which is all about fulfillment and feeling. Then we start to connect a little more with the other person. Um, on a more emotional level, so we start the the if I feel fulfilled and I can fulfill this other person, um, 
But then from there we can go to the yogic level and this is where the sacred sexuality practices can start to come in like Tantra, uh, that sort of thing where we do, there's different exercises, different practices which you can use in order to really connect at an intimate level where you can connect with the breath and actually circulate breath between the two of you during, uh, during intercourse or not, you know, um, and you can actually start to perfect some of these techniques of actually generating uh, a, a connection between you. So you, as a man, you start to be able to feel what your partner's feeling, feel what, how your movement is affecting her, feel how, um, what she's looking for without asking, you know. So before we get to this point, there's a lot of conversations that need to happen, you know, do you like this, do you like this, do you like it this way, um, how can I do it better, let's try different positions, different techniques, and, you know, it's really, really important that we have those conversations and actually ask each other, yes, it might feel a little bit awkward at first and a little embarrassing, but we really just need to get past that, and and ask, okay, so what feels good to you? Because, you know, we're fairly simple. Men are fairly simple. You know, we've got this pork sword and the, hopefully a couple of dangly bits underneath it. Um, they generally work the same. There's not a lot of complexities between men, so I hear. <laughs> um, but what I do know is that women are much more complex. What works for one woman is not going to work for the next, you know. And one woman's clitoral orgasm is going to be very different to a, another woman's clitoral orgasm, you know. Um, so you cannot, it's not just one size fits all um, and one movement fits all, you know. And there's, there's so much more than just a clitoral orgasm. There's a, the, the cervical orgasm or the G-spot orgasm where, you know, in order to, to even get close to achieving that sort of thing there's got to be a really strong level of, of trust and intimacy between the two people involved um so it's really important that you know a bit of a bit of guidance is given you know and you are you as the guy ask her you know how does this feel am i getting the right spot you know is this okay and of course you know don't make it a uh <laughs> a blow by blow <laughs> Um, <laughs> sorry for the wrong words. Okay, don't make it a, a systematized, uh, clinical, um, boring, uh, I know, mechanistic sort of uh, game. You know, whilst a bit of conversation is necessary, you know, a little bit of flow, a little bit of movement, a little bit of romance, a bit of. Um, you've got to keep it exciting, you know. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, a big one that's kind of come to me, you know, in my, in my most, in my, you know, in my current relationship, um, you know, is how important it is to be, to be present, uh, you know, both of you to be, you know, really present within, you know, regardless of what, well, that's not overly true. I was going to say regardless of what stage of sex you're having, but, you know, when you're reaching those sort of higher stages, um, those more complex, you know, stages, of sex that you mentioned, you know, the more present you are, the more, uh, you know, the, the more connected the sex, you know, will be anyway. And, you know, speaking, you know, from experience of, you know, if there's kind of like time pressure on the intimacy, like the sex that you're having, or, you know, if there's stress or if there's unspoken stuff between the partners and you're kind of holding on to some charge, you know, around something your partner's said to you or, or has done or hasn't done. You know, then, then it's it's very often very very difficult for the woman to orgasm, and it sounds to me that those stages that you spoke about, Nick, you know, the the woman at the lower stages of development, you know, the woman needs to have more integrated sex. Basically, she's she's much less likely to be able to get off on those genetic and you know physiological stages. Um, you know, she may, she may, you know, it, it's yeah. it's 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 just uh, when we're talking about. Um, I mean, you're talking about being present, there's no way you can start to achieve any of those higher levels of sexual uh, intimacy without presence. It's It just won't happen because you need to be there with each other. You need to be energetically connected so you can sense 
where she's at. You can sense if what you're doing is working for her or what she's needing without having to have the conversation. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, we talk absolutely women are more complex and they, they do need, uh, they, they do in order to really submit and really um, not submit in a passive way, but submit in a invitational way, you know, I'll, if you, if I, if I trust you, I'll let you in. It's all about trust for the woman. You know, if, if, if you look at it, you know, you're entering her. Um, why would she let you enter if she can't trust you, you know? And obviously it might be entering on a, on a purely physical level, but in order to really allow you, the man, to enter her on a, on a heart level, on a spiritual level, then there has to be an absolute level of trust in that intimacy. And it was, you know, when obviously it's a holiday, everything's nice and relaxed, and you're in your parasympathetic nervous system, and you know, your sexual, your sexual machinery is working as it as it should, you know, and everything else is kind of working as it should. Your digestion, and your, you know, your immune system, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, there was it was very obvious for both of us that you know when we got back, it was a lot more, it was a lot harder, you know, for for my partner to orgasm, uh, and it's just. You know, coming back to that more physiological side of sex, that for a um, for a man, it's uh, let me get this right. You've got the you've got the autonomic nervous system, um, you know, which controls most of our unconscious functions. Um, you know, and it's part of our reptilian brain that's been you know, has been formed for millions and millions of years. And it has two branches. It has the sympathetic branch and it has the parasympathetic branch. The sympathetic branch is also known as our fight or flight side it's when we're stressed or when we perceive stress we'll mobilize our sympathetic side heart rate increases breath rate increases uh, and when the stress goes and disappears then we should move back into our parasympathetic nervous system which is our sexual uh, function our digestive system immune system and so the, the very act for a man or you know of getting an erection uh, requires us to be uh, to be parasympathetic mm. Um, so if we're under, you know, and I, from what I've seen and observed, not in myself, but in, in friends and clients, is that when there's an acute bout of stress, so say, for example, like a loved one passes away unexpectedly or, you know, they, 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 they're very, they get very sick or they have some really bad news, then generally their sympathetic uh, you know, side of the autonomic nervous system will be mobilized uh, and they won't be able to get it up. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll have problems getting an erection. Uh, but the the very act of ejaculating for a man uh, for a man is requires us to be in our parasympathetic nervous system. So as a man, we're kind of really treading a very fine line with our stress between whether we won't be able to get it up or whether we'll come too quickly. Because the very act of the set of coming and ejaculating is a sympathetic act. So if we're very stressed, then you know we can get it up. You know, and this for me kind of comes down to chronic low-grade stress. If we're chronically you know, uh, you know, we've got chronic stress, which is pretty low grade. Then we'll still be able to get an erection, but then we'll generally, you know, end up coming to, you know, too quickly, you know, before the woman comes or, you know, whatever it might be. So that's also really important, I think, just to chuck that into the ring, mm -hmm. that the other forms of stress will will affect your sexual performance, and it's it's extremely common. And you know, we've seen. Uh, drugs like Viagra come onto the market, and I think it's been the fastest selling prescription drug ever in the history of, uh, of, of, of drugs, uh, which I think you know tells tells its own story that uh, that we're pretty that we're under a lot of stress, and uh, it's pretty normal not to be able to get it up sometimes, uh, and it's pretty normal to to come too quickly a lot of the time as well. I've experienced I haven't experienced uh, not being able to get it up, but I've certainly experienced you know premature ejaculation and things. You know, like breathing and going into those deeper stages of sex. You know, the more yogic stages can really have a beneficial effect on your, you know, your overall sexual performance. Absolutely, and I think just additional to that, when you look at, <clears throat> I mean, some of the some of the atrocious marketing <laughs> that has been done in recent years around this particular problem, around erectile dysfunction and and premature ejaculation. Um, the the way that the marketing is addressed to men 
is totally and utterly shame-inducing. It's derogatory. It's basically saying you're not a man because you can't get it up. Um, and it, I mean, some of it. You, I mean, you would. You just wouldn't see the same sort of advertising as, associated with women. Um, it, it just. It's just disgusting, and it's always really upset me. <laughs> um, so when you talk about stress that advertising is initiating and contributing to a man's level of stress around his own sexuality. So it's no wonder that he can't get it up. And it's no wonder that he's so bloody excited that when he does get it up, that he comes too quick. Um, It's, I mean, there's so much, uh, there's so much shame um, that's been pounded on, on men around and women too, but we talk, this is the manifesto. Um, but on on men around their cock, you know, the size of their dick, the way it performs, you know, how big it is, how long you can go. And, you know, there's so much uh, of our masculine identity which is attached to this, which is such crap. (laughs) And it comes back to what Warren Farrell says, though, a lot of the time where, you uh, you know, women bashing is sexist, but male bashing is funny. Uh, you know, you know, for the same stuff, and like, you know, anything that we say, you know, around women, uh, when it comes to, you know, sexual performance and that kind of stuff, is pretty, you know, it's pretty taboo. It's not, it's frowned upon in a lot of circles, uh, and it's and it's called sexist, and, you know, it's, and it, you know, and you know, very much so, and, you know, maybe quite rightly so, but you know, if that's Let's, let 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 it go both ways, guys. Come exactly, on. <laughs> exactly, let it go both ways because you know, male bashing, and you know, I mean, it doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. But the size of a guy's penis, for example, I mean, that's, you know, that's been used in sort of uh, speeding uh, campaigns, yeah. uh, you know, and it's and it's kind of, yeah, and it's, you know, and it's, but it's seen as being funny, but it's yeah. exactly the same as what women are experiencing, but they call sexist and it's, you know, it's trying to be outlawed and it's frowned upon. So, yeah. No, we, we, we definitely, you know, on, on a cultural level, we need to see that as being a part of the problem. You know, if, if, Women want women are dissatisfied with 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 men and their connection to their own sexuality, their and their performance. Then let's stop shaming them, you know. Mm-hmm. And men, if if you're a, if you're uh, disconnected with your own sexuality, your own performance, then stop shaming other guys about it, you know. And um, let's stop joking about the size of your, your cock, and <laughs> you know that mm-hmm. doesn't make you a man. And you know I'm sure I hear. It, uh, often said, but I mean, it depends on the woman. That a lot of women say it doesn't matter about the size. Some women do prefer something a bit bigger. But it, one thing I know that is is much more important than size is technique, and it's not only technique, but this connection. You know that presence. If if you you don't need to have a a, a giant cock to be able to bring a woman into multiple orgasms. There are ways in which you can actually bring a woman into multiple orgasms without even touching her. But <laughs> that's another podcast for the advanced level, you know. And, you know, I wouldn't, I, I've not quite got there yet, but <laughs> I've seen it happen. You know, I have seen it happen. Um, I've seen, and I've seen women uh, that are totally connected with their own sexual energy being who are able to actually bring themselves to orgasm without touching themselves, you know? So if we can connect with that energy, that energy that is within us, and let's face it, it's the creative juice which is at the center of the universe. <laughs> this, it's the energy which creates. So, of course, it's the same energy that's within us. It's a very, very powerful energy. And, I mean, just see how, how it drives you uh, unconsciously towards trying to get your rocks off you know it is a very powerful energy if we can actually get in touch with that energy and get to know it and not a, and then actually uh get to to hone how that energy flows through us then amazing amazing things can happen yeah I, I think um you know for me here it's just you know and i, I mentioned it when before we started uh you know, before we came on air tonight, Nick, was, you know, bringing the connection of relationship into the crucible of sex, you know, and, you know, using using your intimate relationship, every single part of it as foreplay, 
And, you know, how do you do that as a man? You know, well, you know, you have to start building different, you know, intelligences and capacities in your body, um, you know, and in your psyche and in your emotional arsenal to be able to actually create a container that's going to be tight enough uh, to then start to, you know, go into these, you know, deeper areas of sex. And it's, you know, if as a man you're not emotionally intelligent and you either like emotions either overwhelm you or you suppress them totally then you know that's not going to build trust you know between you and your partner and she's not going to be able to connect with you you know for, for, from a heart perspective with that and it's often amazing you know i think just the you know in vulnerability in relationship you know and i'm talking outside of the bedroom now but you know how that creates just such a huge connection you know, and that's really then when you can start to not only marry the physiology, you know, of technique, um, you know, and that more physical side of sex, um, you know, with the more sort of, you know, energetic side of sex. But for me, it's really about a man getting in touch with himself, like so many of the things that we've spoken about on the manifesto. It's really about a man diving deep within himself to then be able to show up in intimate relationship in a way that creates enough trust, uh, you know, where the guy's got enough integrity um, and, you know, honor and, you know, whatever else that it requires for a man to step into his mature masculine. And then from that place, you know, then, I mean, you're already five steps ahead of most guys out there, to be honest with you, once you sort of step into the bedroom, if your intimate relationship looks like that. Um, so I think, you know, for me, that's just such a, you know, that, that, that's, that's where I would start a guy off. But, you know, getting a guy to eat better food, getting him to exercise more regularly and, you know, all this other kind of stuff as well is just, you know, very, you know, important, I think, as well, you know. It to, is, it is. To take all into the bedroom. And, I mean, you, you said uh, the key word, you, you hit it on the, hit the nail on the head, vulnerability, you know, and that this is obviously a word and a, and a concept that we as men find really, really challenging. It is probably one of the biggest uh, barriers to, to, to intimacy um, is our total and utter fear around our own vulnerability. And um, what I, it, what I, one term that I really love is, is about, you know, and what really exemplifies the mature masculine is the, a guy who can actually have the balls to be vulnerable, you know, who, who, uh, which sort of, sort of sounds paradoxical, doesn't it? But being vulnerable is all about having, is being courage, having courage and really being able to say, look, you know, I'm finding this difficult. Be, in order to, to gain trust with your intimate partner, she's got a, there has to be a level of honesty. And that means you actually being vulnerable and saying, I'm finding this awkward, you know, I'm a little bit, I've got a bit of shame here around this sort of, this sort of thing, you know, because we've all got it. We've all got it. You're not alone, you know, we're all, you know, it, this is one of the biggest areas of shame that we have as men is about performing um, and being able to perform like one of those porn stars, you know, it's, it's, it's not reality. It's just not reality. So in order to, to start to build some of that connection and build some of that trust, which can then lead to amazing levels of intimacy, um, we need to start being honest with ourselves, being honest about our wounding, being honest about our shame, being honest about our, our you know, cluelessness. Because, <laughs> um, you know, most, most guys just haven't had an education around it, you know. Yeah. And women, um, women love that stuff, and you know that 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 would be the gateway to you know to actually having good sex with them. You know, is actually open up and just kind of going, wow, I just hold so much shame around the size of my penis or the you know my premature ejaculation or you know, and being willing to actually expose yourself in ways that feel uncomfortable um, and take, as you mentioned, a lot of courage to actually to do and you know but you'll be surprised you know it sounds like an oxymoron but the very thing that you think you know would turn the woman off is exactly the thing that would actually really turn her on and get as her long connected. as and i think this is really important as long as you say it in a way which isn't asking for her to make you feel better you know what i mean it, you're not asking 
uh, or there isn't an underlying uh, oh please make me feel better you know please hold me like mummy used to that sort of energy is going to turn a ride off <laughs> you know um, no woman wants to be your mother and if she does she's got far, um, she's got her own father issues which <laughs> uh, you want to steer clear of um, <laughs> but uh, hey we've all got them um, but uh, you know there's so many different uh, like us, like we've said before, it's such a wide and diverse and and juicy, <laughs> uh, literally and uh, and metaphorically, uh, topic to to talk about. So there's so many different areas we could go into, which I guess we may have to save for another episode. But um, yeah. um, I think uh, just uh, we, we probably should start wrapping up. But um, it's. Guys, I mean, it's it's such an important thing to us, such an important thing to us, and it, so it's a skill, you know, it's a skill, and it's a it's a it's a craft, um, it's and it's an art. So in order to to learn to be the best artist, you've got to practice, and in order and you've got to have a mentor, and you've got to have some some good ed- education around it, and you've got to be really honest about. Your, uh, your, where you're falling down, you know, you've got to be really honest about some of the, the areas where you could perform your craft a little better. Um, so who better to ask than your partner? Um, just ask her, open up the question, explore a little, have a bit of fun with it, you know. Uh, there's and there's also there's nothing wrong with a good quickie now and then. There's nothing wrong with good old dirty on the kitchen table five minute bang you know and um that one. well if you can manage <laughs> um, as long as that's not the norm you know as long as you can put the time in put the effort in put the uh, dedication in and and put in the hard yards to work out how your body and her body or his body can work the best together you know yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's, you know, I mean, if you're looking at everything, I mean, we mentioned stress at the start and how that affects our sexual performance. So for me, it comes down to everything from, you know, cleaning out your diet, exercising, um, you know, becoming more emotionally intelligent, more emotionally in tune with yourself, your partner, you know, becoming more cognitively intelligent, you know, and just sort of going, wow, expanding beyond what you want. And looking at what you know, what's going to be great for your partner as well, yeah. and you know, somatic intelligence, you know, building up your sort of mind-body, uh, you know, intelligence and your connection between the two and the breath and how that affects energy in your body. Uh, I mean, you know, there's so many different places. You know, the environment that you're having sex in as well that can change, and you can move that around. And you know, you know, out in nature, some people like to do it outdoors. That's what caravanners tell us. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's again, if you're looking at it through a really broad lens, you know, you can, you, you can really start to, you know, have a lot of fun with it and, you know, really kind of broaden your horizons with sex and, you know, your own sexuality. But I think a big thing for me is just opening up and just start a conversation with a friend, um, you know, a lover, partner, you know, whoever it might be, you know, therapist, counselor, coach, and just start talking about it because as soon as you talk about something, um, it just it really starts to dissipate and doesn't you know it doesn't really hold you hold you to you know as a prisoner uh, as much as it did when you keep it to yourself and um, yeah you know men's groups are another great way of exploring your sexuality in a safe environment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and get off the porn. Get off the porn, you know. As, as simple as that, and like I mean, like you said, abstination is the best way to really see where you've got an issue. You know, if you can give yourself a week, a month, and be really committed and say, no, I'm not. I'm just not going to touch porn, and see how much it controls you. See how much time you're gaining. <laughs> um, and see how much that porn was actually influencing your life in a negative way, you know. And see how, and then with that, see how the drive to to objectify women that you see in the street 
you know, look at look at them as a sex object rather than some amazing, beautiful work of art that they are as a, as a female form. You know, if you can start to get more in touch with those aspects of how you habitually objectify and how you are totally drawn to to a less than less than healthy sexual activity, um, then that's going to give you more power to actually take into the bedroom and give as a gift to your woman, your man. Yeah. Interestingly, just a, a, lot, a point here. I, I, when I became celibate, I, I realized that I mostly wanted to masturbate on a Monday morning. <laughs> uh, just that ultimate, you know, you know, making yourself want to, you know, feel better, you know, sexualize. Yeah, yeah. The, so the lethargy just, and the apathy of the Monday morning can be improved by a good wank. Yeah? And the anxiety and, you know, everything else that comes with Monday morning. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, just, 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 just check in with yourself just before yeah, you're yeah. to kind of log on. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting the tissues out and, you know, just kind of go, what's going on at the moment in my life? You know, where's my anxiety? Yeah. You know, where's my fear? Where's my shame? What am I not, what, what do I not want to deal with in my life at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, and I'll just to, to, Add on to that. I mean, I've, I've just, I'm just about to three months of celibacy after after a, finishing a relationship. So I thought it would be a, a good opportunity just to enter into a conscious celibacy period, um, just for the purpose of uh, of really uh, honing that sexual energy because it doesn't stop, but it becomes something else. It comes from, it goes from the the cock up into the heart and becomes something which is is expressed through love and um um and actually now what i've so i've i've noticed that you know when i do see a beautiful woman i'm not fantasizing about her i'm loving her you know there's a very there's a really uh, palpable difference in that quality of exchange you know i'm yes i'm looking at her but i'm not uh i'm admiring the form and i'm not sexualizing her you know in that way um and it, yeah, I feel absolutely amazing for it. It's a it's a highly recommended uh, thing to do. You know, don't just grab your cock for the sake of it. <laughs> you know. Oh uh, yeah, that sounds like a good place to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've opened up uh, a, a can of worms, but um, a, a really good one, a really juicy one, and I think it's um, a place where we can definitely pick up a bit more, uh, a bit more at a later date. Um, now we're on iTunes, guys, so please subscribe uh, and check us out. If you just search for the manifesto on iTunes or search, do a search under manhood, um, you'll find us on iTunes. Um, so check us out there. We're gradually getting all the previous episodes up, so they'll be up in the next week or two. Um, so in the meantime, let us know if there's any particular topics that you want us to discuss. I think it's time for you guys to get involved and uh, and give us your feedback, give us your input. Um, so and otherwise, yep, you can connect with me on on soulcraft.com.au. I've got a, a, a men's program, the Revolutionary Man, coming up at the um, towards the end of February. Check that out. I've always, also got a teenage boys program coming up at the beginning of March uh, for the young lads. Um, so yeah, that over to you, James. Yeah, you can uh, get hold of me uh, at manupprojects.com.au. Uh, I've got all of our men's groups uh, beginning. Uh, two, in, for 2014, there's one in Bondi Junction, there's one uh, in the, uh, the centre of Sydney as well. One-on-one um, -on -one coaching, which I can do from anywhere in the world, um, Skyping, and you know, in, uh, signature workshops as well, three to five day workshops, uh, and you know, retreats are coming and writing a book as well this year so yeah there's lots of different areas and ways of plugging into uh plugging into uh, what it is that i offer as well absolutely awesome we're in it guys we're in it let's keep this conversation going and you guys take care and have lots of good really really good connected sex mm. enjoy it <laughs> yeah. cheers guys take That's care right. bye bye, bye, -bye.